You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Hey, everybody. Jackie Lewis here. Welcome to this second season of Love, Period. This season, we're focusing our conversations on my new book, Fierce Love, a bold path to ferocious courage and rule-breaking kindness that can heal the world. Each of my friends will be helping me to think about the themes in each chapter, nine practical practices that can help us love ourselves, love our posse, and then love the world into healing. It all starts with you, and we're going to give you practical tips to make these practices a part of your life. Today's episode is inspired by the ninth and final chapter of my book, Fierce Love. Believe assiduously. Have faith in love. I asked my friend Nadia Boltz-Weber to come by for this conversation. Nadia and I have been following each other in social spaces for many years. When we met at Wild Goose the first time, I thought, ah, a sister from another mother. She is an author, a pastor, and a revolutionary rebel. She knows what it means to believe fiercely in love. Nadia Boltzweber, I'm so glad to spend some time with you today. How are you? I'm good, but I wish we were in the same room, like um, having pizza and gossiping or something. Yeah, what kind of pizza <laughs> would we be having? What would you be ordering? Tell me. I, I do I do like just traditional cheese pizza, but I also very much like kind of wacky pizzas. Like there's one locally that has bacon and roasted pears and goat cheese and arugula. What? and. It's what? pretty life-changing with like an olive oil base. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Bacon, roasted pears, yeah. arugula, and goat cheese? Go- yeah. I'm oh, telling you. I want yeah. that. So you know you can go to a pizza place and they'll be having these Caesar salad pizzas and you think, Bleh. yes, there's yeah. one, a new one in our neighborhood at a pizza place called Marinara. I'm going to say their name. This <laughs> Caesar salad pizza will make you want to slap somebody. It is so delicious. It is just <laughs> ridiculous. You're like, what? The Caesar dressing is so yummy and the chicken is so tender and the like lettuce stands up to the heat, girl. Seriously. You know, my best friend Jody, her social media profile, Jody Hogue, says that she's a good eater. Is she a good eater? <laughs> she's a good eater. And, uh, <laughs> I do you know Sarah Miles? Have you done stuff with Sarah Miles before? Not not I know no. who Sarah Miles is and no, and we must. Well, she and I have traveled uh before internationally a few times together. Yeah. And she she has said, you know, Nadia, the I love traveling with you because you like to eat. Yeah. Eating yeah. is joy, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's a very big deal to me. Like if I have a but if I have to eat food that's not very good, it, it does pretty much bum me out for a while. <laughs> I love that. Well, we can't have that. We must have, we must have delicious food. I find myself thinking, when I was a little girl, my mama used to say, some people eat to live and other people live to eat. I think yes. I'm in the latter category. Oh, for sure. Right? Don't oh be gosh. wasting my time with yucky food. Bring mm-hmm. it. That's Bring right. it. Bread so of you life. and I... Exactly. The bread of life and the cup of blessing, whatever's in the cup. Correct. <laughs> Better if it's red wine, <laughs> but whatever's mm. in the cup is a, good, is a good thing. 
Nadia, the last time I saw you, we were at Wild Goose together, I guess, before pandemic, right? I mean, oh, yeah. So tell me how you've taken care of yourself in these last, you know, 20 months or something. How have you been? Um, in some ways, I'm just, I'm really good. Mm-hmm. And I think it has to do with a few things. I'm, I'm, I'm very well loved uh, by my beloved. And so I, th- I feel like I'm really, truly well loved for the first time in my life. And mm. that changes everything for me. And I think... I've been really willing to sink into how everything feels in a way that allows it to be metabolized um, in terms of the grief and the pain and the loss that we've experienced Mm -hmm. in the pandemic. I feel Mm -hmm. like I've, for whatever reason, I'm in a place in my life where I'm willing to be emotionally present to it enough that um, I can also be emotionally present to the joy that's available as well. Um, mm. I love so, that. Yeah. Does the well-loved eat- by the beloved, does that, does that help the other? Do they go together? I'm sure they do. I mean, everything is sort of, everything about me is just softer than it was, you know, six, seven years ago. And I feel like I, I'm more open it to everything you know I'm I, I feel like I'm more accepting of myself and other people and my ability to experience compassion is is greater than it was before and I think my ability to experience the moment is greater than it has been before mm. also just being in your 50s is just kind of it's just hot you know I like it <laughs> 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 I like you know? the way you said that. Yes, I do know. <laughs> it's good. It's good, right? Yeah. And wait till you get to 60, girl. 60. Oh. I'm 62 now. And yeah. I feel like I'm, or I'm like 50, 12 or something, you know? Like it does feel like the 50. <laughs> it, does, <laughs> it does feel like the 50s continues. But like I'm 50, yeah, 12. Well, I, I never. <laughs> When I was younger, I never heard women who were older talk about positively about what it's like very much. Mm-mm. So I think it's important to, you know, yeah, your body is, is going to do what your body's going to do in terms of the aging process. And mm-hmm. there are ways that we can be kind to our bodies and mm-hmm. try to give gifts to our future self, you know, mm-hmm. by our practices in the moment. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I think... It's important to talk about the positive aspects of, of being older because our, our culture just worships youth, which is ridiculous, man. I wouldn't be in my 20s for, for again, for all the money in the world. Like, I, I had really good abs, but other than that, I had nothing going for me. <laughs> you had really good abs. <laughs> I love that. that Did I? I, think I, had a, I, had a good, I had a good booty. I had a really good you booty had a good in my booty. 20s. Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay, well, yes, I did. Fair enough, but... <laughs> To like, what else? No, everything yeah, feels exactly. like a crisis when you're in your 20s. You can't deal yeah. with shit when you're in your 20s. That's really true, love. That's really true. Um, 
So I think you were going to say something about also about eating when I was asking how are you doing. You were, you've been eating well, when you were going to say. Well, I I like to, I try to eat food made out of food, you know, mm-hmm. and yep. move my body, and yep. yeah, just kind of take care of her, you know, a little bit. She deserves that. She deserves that, yeah. Nadia. Yeah, she's carried me through every day. You know, she does every day. That. Yeah. So we. <laughs> are still in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. I just cannot even believe it. As we record this, it's in November of 2021. And, you know, Nadia and I live in different parts of the country and we're in this space. We'd rather be together eating pizza. We've established this. But like, Nadia, the world is on fire what, when you think about, you know, your words, your writing, your teachings, what sustains you? Uh, the love of the beloved and also food, that's food. <laughs> Can you just say a little bit about what do you believe in right now? And how does it source you? Yeah. Well, since I'm a, I, like you, am a preacher, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm preaching this Sunday, Mm. Uh, like, if I'm preaching the coming Sunday, then anybody who asks me questions during the week, my answer is going to be about whatever I'm perseverating on around mm-hmm. the text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel me? Like I totally it, do. That's right. Yeah. You're in it, right? Yeah. You're in that. You're yeah. in it. Yeah. And it's, you know, reign of Christ or Christ the King Sunday this, this coming week. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about... This thing where Jesus says, like, my kingdom is not of this world, mm-hmm. and that I came, I was born and came to testify to the truth. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, those who belong to the truth listen to my voice, all of that stuff. And I'm like, what does it mean to belong to the truth in a post-truth world, in a fake mm-hmm. news world, in a in a world in which we are being fed lines of bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> and told it's the truth every day of our lives, in which our worst instincts are being manipulated in order to create clickbait, in order, like, headlines are manipulated yes. to, to, uh, to be sure and trigger the worst instincts within us, our, our moral outrage about the world and about other people, and, and all that content's being manipulated. Why? So that we click a link. Why? So somebody gets ad revenue. That's yeah. the game. So, in a world in which um, what I'm told is true, what I'm told about my fellow citizens, what I'm told about my fellow Christians, what I'm being told about the world and myself feels fairly unfucking trustable right now Mm -hmm. because of the ways that it is only trying to manipulate the worst parts of me so that other people can be enriched. Hmm. What does it mean that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world because we know what the kingdoms of this world look like. We know that it looks like domination and manipulation and greed and vengeance and all those worst instincts of our, of, within ourselves projected uh, onto the world. We know that's what the kingdom of the world looks like, but what does it mean when Jesus says like that his kingdom is not of this world? It means that 
We have all of those instincts within us. Every single person does, but it will always, always lead to death. None of that leads to life. And so I guess I'm thinking about right now, uh, I'm thinking a lot about my own, the violence that is within me, even though it might not manifest itself in physical violence, uh, because if Jesus said his kingdom's not of this world, I think that's what he's saying. He says, like, if it was, people, there would be a violent uprising. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess if you ask, like, kind of what sustains me, it's trying to constantly remember, whether it's in a meditation or a prayer or while I'm walking or during my day, that I am connected to this divine source that I get to tap into when I don't have enough, when all of my instincts have gone awry, when all of my desires are really truly around resentments and Mm -hmm. uh, vengeance or greed or anything like that, that that's just my sort of broken human wiring, but that there's another part of me. And it's Mm -hmm. the part that is connected to the divine. It is the part that belongs to the truth, as Jesus says. And Mm -hmm. to go, I accept that I have these these broken down parts of me, I everybody does, but also I choose to sort of remember in my practices and in my life as much as I can. And sometimes that's a hundred times a day that I am connected to my divine source. And that source is an endless well of mercy and of compassion and of love. And when I don't have enough, there always is enough because there's the connection. Oh, gosh, Nadia. That's beautiful. Are you preaching that on Sunday? I I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Um, Yeah, I was just talking to uh, someone I admire a lot and haven't had a real conversation with ever before, but talking about truth and what is truth. And um, because, you know, I have this whole thing in my book, uh, Fierce Love, where I'm saying, you know, the truth will actually set us free. And speaking truthfully will set us free. And he was pushing around in that, like, what is the truth then? And what is the truth? I'm like, I, I, there might be more than one truth, to be honest. I, I think that's truth. Uh, whose truth is the truth we're talking about? But maybe when Jesus says that, maybe that truth is, um, maybe, the, maybe what's in that bucket called truth is this love, love that will not let us go, this source that will not ignore us, this bountiful something that has enough for you and me um, to sustain our flailing and our mm-hmm. wrestling and our mm-hmm. pushing and shoving, our becoming. I st- when I say that stuff, it sounds kind of woo-woo to me, but also it feels true to me that oh, there it. is, but, right? Yeah. But to say, we do live in a time of what I call abject subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to say, oh, well, everyone has their own truth. Well, everyone has their own perspective. Yeah, Everyone has mm-hmm. their own um, context. Everyone has their own viewpoint. And that is valuable and it's good to know and it, there's a richness to that. But at some point, e- you know, even in this post-Enlightenment world, as Christians, we got to say something that we got some big T truth. Yeah. Yeah, but there I is think that's big right. tea truth. Yep, and, and, let's, and let's 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 talk about what those are. What is it? Well, okay, the 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 way in which it's different than I guess the way we 
Usually when you think, oh, I know the truth, it's like Mm -hmm. I possess it. Yeah. Like it's something that I can have Mm -hmm. and then sort of exert over other people in a sense, right? And so, but the way Jesus talks about truth, he's not saying it's something, it's something you belong to. It's not something that belongs to you. It's something you belong to. Mm -hmm. So our perspectives, our standpoints, our opinions, our contexts, all of those things that people say, oh, well, this is my truth, right? Um, those, those are all fine, but, but that's not the same as belonging to something big, 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 big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org courage. asking me, Jackie, what is the T, big T truth that we belong to? I, I really do think, I think it is this kind of love that I'm trying to talk about that is not, yeah. like, I really, I wish I could, I want to meet your beloved and know, know the one who's loving you well. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I think the source of the love that loves us well, my John, who brings me water for every podcast and it's warm. Um, but also listens to my junk all day long, poor thing, and you know tries to have a fresh idea on my repeated questions. Uh, that that maybe that love is the thing that holds us all, or that is the truth that we belong to. Is that there is a love that is so amazing, so divine to quote him, but so <laughs> strong, so. Resilient, so elastic, so nimble, so unjudging, so wondrous, to quote another hymn, that it, and there's enough of it, and there's enough to go around, and we can dip in it. I'm picking up your metaphor a little bit, like we can dip in there, we can take a cool drink of water of it, right? We could, Uh could, we could throw it around our bodies and make a blanket of it, we could take a bath in it, we could consume it as food, it's just how we need it can come to us, and it can be. This is what I'm talking about, Nadia. I want to convert the world to love. Mm -hmm. I am so sick of the squabbling, and so sick of the fighting, and so sick of the crap. Mm -hmm. Is Is there a way... Is that what's underneath it all for us as a yearning, uh, Dr. Loder used to say, for the face that will never leave us, that will love us no matter what? How does that resonate for you? It's funny. I, I, like, I've gotten just very, I don't even know how to say it, simple mm-hmm. in my theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it, I feel like my theological standpoint has continues to simplify uh, mm-hmm. And so on some level, I just think, I always think about how rare life is in the universe. Like, we, mm-hmm. you see those films where they, they'll pan into someone's backyard and then they pan out and they're like, here's their city and their state and the country and here's the continent and here's 
the planet mm-hmm. Earth, and then mm-hmm. it, here's our solar mm-hmm. system. Yep. And, you know, yep. and that's the point usually that I'm like, I'm good. Stop panning, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like I'd be a good medieval person, yeah. just the dome. Right. I feel that's comfortable enough. with the dome and that's <laughs> yeah. it. But they keep going and they're like, and here's our galaxy and that's part of this. That's a little pinpoint of this cluster of galaxies and that's a pinpoint of this whole, you know, and it's like the human mind cannot conceive of the vastness of the universe. And the only place we so far have discovered life as we know it here mm-hmm. is here. Right. So either it only exists here or it's exceedingly rare. And either way, what an unbelievable gift that we get to eat pizza. You know what I'm saying? Like we yes. get to be here. We could yeah. experience puppies and love and sex and joy and laughter and tears and all of it. We get to walk through the mountains and, you know, experience the skin on the the wind on our skin, like all that stuff. How unbelievable yeah. that yeah. we get to experience. We get to be alive. It is only through grace. God did not have to overflow the heavens. And create life here, right? Like it didn't have to happen. And yet here it is. And it's and it's it can be horrible and it can be magnificent. But that somehow the source of all of it is the heart of God. Yeah. Heart, that like God, God's heart couldn't be contained. It just overflowed into what we know as life and creation. And so that's our original home. That's our homeland in some way. And so it is. That's our source, you know, everybody's source. Yeah, that's how, that's, yeah, that feels like a big T truth for me. That's a big T. It's a big T. That's a really big T. Yeah. And it feels to me like what we hope to be true. I mean, let's say even if it wasn't true, which I think it is. I, I think that the, the core of our souls, we want that to be true, that there is a source that is abundant and affirming and good, and that it causes our goodness and you know, flows out of our pores as love. I, I know that I want that, and my, my congregation wants that. And I find myself thinking, you know, what would happen if we, you and I, who preach— and and the others, the rabbis, the imams, you know, the bodhisattvas, and the I don't know, mm-hmm. all the folks who have a thing to say, the yoga teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, what if what sure. if we all could sync up? This is my little girl dream that we would sync up, and we'd say, okay, enough. Let's just believe assiduously in love. Mm-hmm. Like, take a season and just preach love. Would we, would, could we seed a revolution? Could we rewire the next generation or the one after that, Nadia, to where we don't traffic in so much us-them hatred? I think, uh, I think it's, Love is um, is not easy. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. I mean, I sometimes like being loved K 
can sting Mm -hmm. because of the ways it reminds me of all the times I've not been loved well or at all or the times that I've loved poorly. Mm -hmm. So good love can have a sting to it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many things that we're told in our lives are love and are not. And so our whole relationship to that idea um, is complicated. And, And yet, it's such the basic original truth um and and you know our homeland like i said that even if we're ref- we feel like refugees it still remains our home you know and right. the place to which we long to return in some way um, yeah i don't know yeah i don't know either but i i'm having an insight that Maybe we're constructing, and I say we, the collective human we, right, in different pockets in different places. Maybe we're constructing gods with a little g uh, to make us feel safe when we're afraid or to <clears throat> answer the existential question about do we matter, you know? And like, oh, this is stuff of our, the stuff of our nightmare, actually, we're saying, well, this is God, you know, this meanness is God, this anger is God, this punishment is God, this, yeah. I don't know, this big wad of money is God, this house right. is God. Right. Uh, and really, what, what we really want is just for someone to look at our nakedness and go, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're all right, just right. like you are. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, there are just, and there are absolutely endless ways in which we feel like we have to strive and you know in the great human worthiness competition mm-hmm. uh, and also rank ourselves you know the comparison to others I was listening to my favorite podcast is Hidden Brain Shankar mm. it's so good mm. and there was one that was talking about self-compassion and it's talking about I think it was maybe a happiness researcher but they were saying in order to feel like we're worthy or good, we have to feel somehow like above average. Like if someone mm. listened to my podcast mm-hmm. and they were like, and I said, what did you think of it? And they're like, it's like average. I'd be like devastated. <laughs> right? So in order to think we're good, the mark has to be above average. Like we have to rank ourselves above other people in order mm-hmm. to consider ourselves beautiful, we have to see people around us who we consider less beautiful, right? It's just this constant Mm -hmm. ranking system in our minds. Who has more money? Who's more attractive? Who's more successful? Who's more charismatic? You know, who's more famous? uh, In order to know where we stand. And um, the, the the, the ways in which that actually impedes are flourishing. Yep. Are enormous. Like we can actually be satisfied with something. You know, I'm satisfied by uh, a little, a small candy bar until I see somebody, oh, but they have an ice cream sundae. Like now mm. this isn't satisfying anymore because I see somebody else has that. And it's so nonstop. And of course, social media is the, you know, perfect medium for this sort of artisanship. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> 
Right. But I, I don't know. I, I think that we are, there is a certain way in which the human being's wiring repels choices that lead to our flourishing over right. and over and over yep. again. Absolutely. That's so true. That's true. Um, this idea of Ubuntu that I write about in, um, in Fierce Love, this, you know, Ubuntu and Gabuntu and Gabantu. This is my showing off my Zulu for you, which I probably said very wrong. But a human is a human through other humans. <laughs> if we just could just pause, I think and regress almost to the first time we knew we needed each other to survive. What, what was that moment? <clears throat> you know, when someone was like, oh my goodness, wait a minute. We need some fire. Who? <laughs> or we need, who's going to watch the kids? Well, some of us go hunt and gather, you know. I don't know. Right. That first moment, those first moments of coming together from out of the cave or out of the water, whatever it was, uh, to say, oh, okay, I need you and what you have for me to be Okay. And you need what I have for you to be okay. Instead of, I need for you to have less so I'm okay with what I have. So, you're going to preach on Sunday. It's Christ the King Sunday, and I gave up my pulpit to my friend Joey, who is a lay leader, who was a 9-11 first responder, Mm. um, detective, police detective, who has come out as Giuseppe Angelo Morelli, who is a trans man. Mm -hmm. And I just was so excited to give up the pulpit. At at middle Reign of God Sunday's like a holiday, you know, like, woohoo, you know? Yeah. Here we are. But I just wanted to have Joey's voice talk about transformation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and change and what it means to become who we really are. And deep down inside, I'm thinking, what if religion is about us becoming who we really are? Like really, you know that text that says, right? The text that says, um, all of creation is waiting like a woman in childbirth for the children Mm -hmm. of God to be revealed. Mm -hmm. What what do you wish, Mm -hmm. what do you wish, Nadia, would be revealed about us as humans? Do you have a wish or dream? First, I should tell you whose pulpit I'm in on Sunday. It's Broderick Greer. Oh my God, I do. (laughs) So you're going to be in Colorado? Yeah, I live here. So I'm connected to three parishes in my call. So I'm connected to the Episcopal Cathedral where he's at and Montague Presbyterian and then New Beginnings, which is the women's prison congregation. So those are the three pulpits that I'm in regularly. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm preaching for Broderick. Um, Okay. Uh, So I, one of the things the pandemic has done is like, in Anne Lamott's recent book, she talks about how she has this friend who says, when you, when you first meet him, you're really just meeting his bodyguard. <laughs> and I just thought, um, I love that. Like, who is our bodyguard? Either our sort of 
ego needing everyone to know we're important or shyness because our ego says, hey, we're not really worthy to be taking up space or like it, you know, bodyguards take a million forms. And I am so grateful to my bodyguard. She was very adept. She was highly professional. <laughs> she, she, it was important that uh, she always be out in front of me because she made sure that um, I only showed people things about myself I felt safe showing them, which, mm-hmm. you know, in my case, it was a lot of sort of bluster and, and mm-hmm. um, sarcasm and, um, you know, Is that why sarcastic Lutheran? Yeah, and it's funny, like, that's my brand, but, like, that's not really who I am anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. Not at 52. Yeah. And so the the pandemic, she was was off-duty during the pandemic. I didn't need her in my apartment. And so, uh, and now I think she's just getting a lot of PTO. So even though I'm, I feel, I feel less guarded, I feel less protective, protected and sort of defensive than I ever have in my whole life. And my emotions are closer to the surface having gone through this pandemic than they've ever been. Hmm. And I think that I am closer to the me that God has always known and loved than I've ever been. Wow. Because there aren't all of those layers of all those protective measures that I felt like I needed and probably did did need, but they, a lot of that stripped away from me now. And so I have described it as feeling closer to the me that God's always known and loved. I love that, Nadia. So let me ask you a question. What do and you I'm know still for in sure? Eight. Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Are you? No, don't tell us that. <laughs> I love that. Are you? No. <laughs> it doesn't what? feel like. No, it doesn't sound like it. I love that. What 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 do you know for sure about love? Um, that I don't know that between humans that it can be pure. Hmm. And I think we should never let that trip us up or keep us from receiving even lumpy, hmm. inconsistent love, you know? Like, I, love I think sometimes our, we can get so idealistic about what, about pure love between people. And um, I don't know, human beings are disappointing and inconsistent and, you know, um, and have good days and bad days. So I think having an acceptance of that and yet still there can be love between us and it can be shared and it can be beautiful and to not, um, I, I, I just think the thing I really know is that even, even though I can't love perfectly and I can't be loved perfectly, that it's still worth it. It's still worth it to love each other and to receive it and to give it both. And Nadia, when I say fierce love, what does that evoke in you? Oh, a mother. I think the fiercest love is love that a mother has for her child. Honestly, mm. that's the that's the that's the fiercest love I've ever experienced. Is the, is the love I have for my kids. That protective, everything I have is yours. You know, 
Until you hit 18 and then for sure, not anymore. But you know, not anymore. until then. <laughs> for 18 years. <laughs> Everything I have is yours. For 18 years. For 18 years. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for mothering, uh, mothering those kids, but also nurturing us, Nadia, with your gifts. Thank you. Uh, next time, pizza in person, okay? Pizza in person. <laughs> pizza <Yes>. in person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All praise. Thank you. Thank you, Nadia. <laughs> Appreciate you. Total pleasure. Thank you. One of the women in Intazaki Shange's play for Colored Girls had loved someone assiduously for so long and had gotten no returns. I want you and I to believe assiduously in fierce love as a way to heal our souls and the world. How? It starts with you, my friend. Look in the mirror every day and love something about you. It will rewire your heart.